0: It says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be taxed. Don't you like taxes? No. Nobody signs up for taxes. But uh, they didn't just pay it online. They had to go to their hometown, the the town of their lineage, to pay those taxes. Look at verse 2. And this taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed. Every one into his own city. And Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea under the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Why? Because he was of the house and lineage of David to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Look at verse six. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. The Bible says in verse 7 that she brought forth her firstborn son. She wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Why? Because there was no room for them in the inn. Baby Jesus had to be born in a stable with the cow with the cattle. Why? Because at the hotel in Bethlehem They were all sold out of rooms, and no one wanted to give up their room for a pregnant woman named Mary. They didn't have room for Jesus in that hotel that evening. No one had room for Jesus. I want to ask you a question this evening, 2,000 years later. Have you any room for Jesus? Do you have room for Jesus? Let's pray. Lord, would you take the uh, truths we'll pull from Scripture this evening and would you help us to open our hearts. One day a year we set aside to remember your birth. And then, Lord, oftentimes in the shuffle of the rest of life, we forget about you or we set you to the side until the Christmas calendar reminds us that it's time to remember you again. But, Lord, you don't want just one day of our calendar. You want every day of our calendar. And Lord, you want us to make room for you because you want to make us better. So, Lord, as we consider the scriptures this evening and the truths from them, Lord, would you help us to open our hearts? And Lord, may we make room for you in our life, but not just for tonight and not just tomorrow, but Lord, all the time in Jesus name. Amen. Please be seated. Well, I would guess many of you here, if not all of you here, know the premise of the Christmas story. God left heaven and came to earth. He was born through a, uh, the womb of a virgin named Mary. He was born in Bethlehem, and there he was laid in a manger. We, everyone here, I believe, knows about the Bethlehem star. Uh, they know about the angels that sang to the shepherds. They know about the shepherds uh, that went and visited baby Jesus. And they know about the wise men that came from afar uh, and visited with Jesus. Uh, I believe many of you here probably even have wooden or porcelain nativities set up on a mantle or window seal at home. Uh, One of the joys of getting married is blending two different traditions of Christmas together. I say joys. Sometimes there's strife in blending two sets of Christmases together. How many of you here preferred uh, white lights on a Christmas tree? Would you hold up your hands for me? How many of you prefer colored lights on a Christmas tree? How many of you have... No, I'm not going to ask how many of you have fought over that at home. (laughs) But the blending of Christmas uh, traditions uh, can... One of the uh, things that got brought into our uh, marriage, uh, my wife and I was the idea of waiting until December 25th to put baby Jesus in the nativity set. I had never even heard of that before. We didn't do that uh, growing up. Uh, but uh, many of us here have these wooden or uh, porcelain nativity sets. Uh, our celebration of the Christ child, uh, with our celebration of the Christ child, uh, the birth of the Christ child, we oftentimes we soften the reality of the message of Christmas. God's method of parenting is clearly far different than ours. I don't know about you, but as a dad of two children, I want to give my best to provide my best to my children. I want to make their life as comfortable and as easy as possible. But that's not God the Father's parenting style. In fact, he did not send Jesus to be born in a palace. Rather, he sent him to be born in a, in a in a cattle stable and lay in a, be laid in a manger Jesus was not sent to earth to be put in the most expensive private schools that could be found no Jesus uh, uh, was uh, was not raised in expensive schools Mary and Joseph his parents that were chosen to raise him uh, by God in heaven they were not people who hung out with the social elites they were not, elitists in any sense. Jesus grew up in the slums of Nazareth. In fact, when Jesus would begin his earthly ministry, someone asked where Jesus was from and they said, well, he's from Nazareth. And the statement back was, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Really? Can anything good come from that side of the tracks, from that side of town? Jesus was not raised Uh, In a way that was elitist or rich. Jesus lived a humble life. Jesus died a gruesome death. Really, in a word, the life of Jesus could be described as... you ready for this? This is the premise of the message this evening. Humble. Humble. Jesus lived a humble life. His birth was humble. His parents were humble. The city he grew up in was humble. I assume the schools he attended were humble. He surrounded himself with sinners and publicans or tax collectors. The outcasts of society. His disciples in Acts chapter 4, after Jesus had died and risen again and ascended to heaven, His disciples are going around and they're evangelizing the world. And a couple of them are arrested and brought in. And they're questioned in front of these really smart religious people. And uh, the Bible says in Acts 4 that the disciples were looked upon as unlearned and ignorant men. You know what that means? That means they looked down at the disciples and thought, these guys are stupid. That's what they thought. That's the crowd that Jesus spent time with. Jesus' life was that of humility. Now, let me just say this here uh, this evening. Many of us are concerned about two things. Number one, each of us are concerned about our own comfort. We want to be comfortable. We want to have a comfortable home. We want to drive a comfortable car. Uh, We don't want to have to work too hard at work. Um, uh, we, we want life to be comfortable. The second thing that many people are concerned with is pleasing others, is pleasing others. A few weeks ago in a sermon I preached behind this pulpit, I made the point that everybody cares what people think about them. You say, I don't care what people think about me. Uh, you may not care what just anyone thinks about you, but trust me, there are people in your life If you're very honest with yourself, you care what they think about you. Everybody is that way. We all care what people think about us. Now, the important, the more important someone is, uh, the more we care about pleasing them. Joseph and Mary were a couple of nobodies from a humble city, and when they showed up at the hotel there in Bethlehem, there were, there was no room for this pregnant woman and her husband. You know, the same is true uh, today for many people. They just don't have time for Jesus. They first care about their own comfort. And then they care about pleasing the well-to-do of society around them. They don't have any room to let Jesus be a part of their daily life. My friend, Jesus was not born in Bethlehem so that we could have a day off work, eat food, and exchange presents. Jesus was born in a humble manger to humble parents and visited by lowly angels. He would grow up in a poor society. He would be rejected by the religious elites. He would die on a rugged cross and become the sin of the world. Let me put it this way. He would not just become the sin of the world. He would become my sin and he would become your sin. He would robe himself in humility so that he could give us his glory. Romans chapter five and verse eight says this. It says, but God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Let me ask you a question this evening. Who did Christ die for? Speak to me this evening. Who did Christ die for? More specifically in that verse, look a little bit harder, who did Christ die for? He died for sinners. He died for sinners. While we were yet sinners. Now, uh, I am the pastor of White Oak Baptist Church. If you're here this evening and it's your first time here, and I didn't get a chance to meet you on the way in, I attempted to shake everyone's hand. I wasn't able to get to everyone. My name is Richard Lejeune. My last name is spelled like Camp Lejeune down in North Carolina, uh, but it's pronounced Lejeune. You say, well, why do you pronounce it that way? Because I was told by my parents to pronounce it that way. That's why I pronounce it that way. Uh, But my name is Richard Lejeune, and I am the pastor of White Oak Baptist Church. But I'm going to stand up here this evening. I'm going to tell you something uh, strong, loud and clear. This man right here is a sinner. I have committed sin in my life. I am far from perfect, and if you want to know how sinful I am, inject my wife and children with truth serum, and they can tell you all about it. If you really want to know, then go find my mom and dad, and they'll tell you all kinds of stories about me growing up, about how I struggled. Can I tell you something, though, that I'm not the only one in this room that is a sinner. We're all sinners. In fact, Romans chapter 3 verse 23 tells us all have sinned. All have sinned. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm uh, 35. I'll be 36 here in a couple of weeks. I'm a young guy. Don't let the balding head uh, uh, deceive you there. And if you look close at my facial hair, I have grays going in. That's because I have some cantankerous church members that are... I, I've named some of my gray hairs after church members. I'm um, uh, being facetious somewhat. Uh, but um, uh, I'm 35 years old. I'll be 36 in a few days. I've not ever met anyone and I've met thousands of people in my life. I've not met anyone that isn't a sinner. Now I've met some really good people, but at the end of the day we're all sinners. Why did Christ die? He died to save sinners. He died for sinners. He don't miss this statement right here. I'm going to give you the message in a moment. He died He had room in his schedule to die for you. Do you have room in your schedule to accept Him as your Savior? He had enough love in His heart to leave heaven and come, be, and come down here and wrap Himself in flesh and be brutalized and beaten and bludgeoned and murdered on the cross. And He did it for me and He did it for you. He had enough love in His heart for you. Do you have enough love in your heart to choose Him I want us to look at four simple truths about the life of Jesus this Christmas Eve. As each of us considers this question, rather as I ask you this question, have you any room for Jesus? I'm going to give you four points this evening. Notice number one, the place of his birth. The place of his birth. And notice that he was born among the cattle. Look back at Luke chapter 2 and look at verse number 6. It says, And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes. Swaddling clothes would have been a, a towel used to wash off the animals. The Bible says there, And laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. Have you ever stopped to think about how miserable Mary must have been giving birth to a baby in a cattle stable? The smell. The smell. How many enjoy the smell of a farm this evening? i got to tell you, you might like the smell of a farm, but not when you're going to give birth. Um, Not only the smell, but the unsanitary conditions. Have you ever stopped to think about the draft that must have flowed through the barn? I doubt they were paying attention to the draft while the baby was being delivered, but I'm sure the draft came into play once the baby had been delivered and the baby had been wrapped in those swaddling clothes and they're holding them close. They feel the cold air being pushed through uh, the stable there. The the bleeding of the sheep, the, 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 the constant noise of the farm animals there. Here we go to hospitals. We have a doctor and his team who will help a woman through the birth process process. Some women are tough and they don't need any medicine. These women are all tougher than I would be. Others need an epidural. And by the way, a lady that needs an epidural, I'm not throwing any stones at them. Uh, ladies, if you're having a baby, you're much braver than me. Amen. I've heard someone say that if men had to have the babies, the world would have ceased to have a population a long, long, long time ago. Uh, the process, the birth process is messy. But in, in America, in 2019, really anywhere, uh, most anywhere in the world in 2019, uh, when you have a baby at a hospital, there are people there to clean the birthing room. Babies today are born into a controlled climate. Uh, 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 they're in a sterile environment. Upon birth, they are cleaned up, they're weighed, they have uh, their, their footprint taken, they're wrapped in a warm hospital blanket, and they're placed into their parents' arms. Back when Jesus was born, no baby had all of today's conveniences, but babies were not expected to be born in a stable with cows and sheep and chickens. The songwriter wrote it this way, Away in a manger, no crib for a bed, the little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. The stars in the sky looked down where he lay but little Lord Jesus asleep on the hay. Your King, King Jesus, He was not born to rich elites in a palace of great comfort, but rather He was born to poor peasant parents in a humble cattle stall. Number one, the place of His birth. Number two, notice the proclamation of His birth. The proclamation of His birth. And notice there, it was to... The commoners look back at Luke chapter two and look at verse number eight. It says, "And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night." Try to visualize this as we read it. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, the the shepherds that is, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them. Goodwill toward men. Well, now that King Jesus had been born, uh, it's time to start telling people that he's been born. You see, for thousands of years, dating all the way back to Adam and Eve. A Messiah had been promised. You see, Adam and Eve had eaten of the forbidden fruit. They had chosen to defile themselves with the same sin I struggle with and you struggle with. Uh, Whether you're red, yellow, black, white, brown, uh, if you're a human being here this evening, we all have the same ancestry. We all have the same uh, mom and dad and Adam and Eve. And because Adam chose to disobey and defy God, I struggle with sin and you struggle with sin. And we all have the same tainted sin blood that's running uh, uh, through our veins. And, and, and you understand that Jesus uh, w- was needed to be promised to Adam and Eve. In fact, God told Eve in the garden, he said that, that Satan is one day, he's going. Uh, speaking of your offspring, he's going to bruise your heel, but your offspring is going to crush his head. And Eve understood that to mean that one day a Messiah, someone who's going to be able to save his people from their sins, was going to be born. You understand that this had been talked about and prophesied about for many, many years. The day had finally come and the Messiah, the Christ. Has been born. By the way, a little Bible note for those of you here that maybe you don't know this the word Christ in the New Testament and the word Messiah in the Old Testament is the same word. When they talk about the Messiah of the Old Testament and you hear the term Jesus Christ, Jesus was the manifestation of that Messiah. Christ would have been translated from the Greek, Messiah would have been translated into English from the Hebrew, but it was the same Person Jesus the Messiah. Jesus the Christ. Hey, this had been talked about by the Jews. Passed down from generation to generation for thousands of years. Prophets of yesteryear had prophesied. The day had finally come. It was a big deal. The Messiah, the Christ, had finally been born. The prophet Isaiah foretold that he would be born through a virgin. The prophet Micah foretold the location of his birth, the city of Bethlehem. The patriarch Jacob, whose name would later be changed to Israel, he foretold his lineage to be that of the tribe of Judah. The, The prophet Jeremiah promised that uh, that the Messiah or the Christ would be a descendant of King David and the person of Jesus born through the womb of Virgin Mary would fulfill every one of those prophecies. Finally, the day has come and King Jesus has been born while there was no room for him at the Bethlehem hotel. Surely his father in heaven would send the most important people of society to visit him, right? Well, not exactly. Not exactly. Um, you know, there was a temple in Jerusalem, and the chief priests that ran the temple, while King Jesus was being born in a stable, they were fast asleep in their beds in Jerusalem, just a few miles away. Businessmen of great wealth and power were resting in their homes with their families back in the suburbs. Of Jerusalem. So, who did heaven choose to tell of the birth of King Jesus? Heaven chose to send angels to tell lowly shepherds. Lowly shepherds. I want you to picture this. They're out in their field. They're watching sheep. These are people with little to no education who were looking for a job and they were given the job of taking care of the sheep and no doubt they took that role very seriously and they became very good at it. But this would have been the blue-collar job of that day, getting down in the sheep and working with the sheep. And there they are in the middle of the night and an angel appears up in the sky and begins to talk to them and, and they become afraid. I imagine they run and they hide. And fear is in their heart. Their their adrenaline is rushing. Their heart is beating faster. And the angel says, fear not. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Who did God choose to tell that his son had been born? He chose to tell the commoners. He chose to tell the humble of society. It takes the humility and simplicity of someone like a shepherd before they can begin to hear the message and understand the message of Christ's birth. Are you listening to me this evening? There will be a lot of people one day who miss out on heaven for one reason and one reason alone They think they're too smart for Jesus. You see, getting into heaven does not require you to be intelligent. It requires you to be humble. Many, many people that I meet, I will share with them the simplicity of God's path to heaven. And it goes right over their head because they want it to be more difficult than it really is. I want you to understand something I'm going to show you in the rest of the sermon here this evening. God does not care about your religious background. God does not care about how good or bad of a person you've been to this point. What He cares about is can you come to Him with a humble, trusting heart and believe that Jesus was born to die for you? Can you come to the place where it isn't about how good you've been, but rather it's about what Christ has done for you? I want to just shoot a hole through the theory right here, right now, about God expecting you to be a good person to get to heaven. Are you listening this evening? You remember when Jesus hung on the cross? We all know the story here, right? Many of you uh, have been raised religious. Stratford, I believe, is... Uh, 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 reported in the, the census a few years ago to be 93% Catholic. And so if you were raised Catholic, then you know the story of Jesus' death on the cross. You remember Jesus hung up there on the cross and what did he have on both sides of him? You all know, right? He had actors, He had thieves. He had very bad people. And there Jesus is hanging in the middle of two thieves. One on his left and one on his right. And one thief says to Jesus, he says, if you really are who you say you are, then, then 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 get yourself down and take us with you. The other thief rebukes his buddy and he says, hey, look, we're up here because we deserve to be up here. Did, did either one of those thieves have righteousness or good works to offer to get them into heaven? No. uh uh-uh. But the one thief had the one element necessary to get into heaven. You know what that was? He had faith. He looked over at Jesus and he said this. Listen carefully. He said, remember me, Jesus, when you enter into your kingdom. You know what he's saying to Jesus? I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you're dying in my place. I want you to take me with you to heaven. And you know what Jesus looked over him and said? He said, today thou shalt be with me in paradise. I don't know that that man ever darkened the door of a church. I don't know that that man really had too many good works on his account. But you know what he did have? He had faith. He had faith. You know what else he had? He had enough humility to put that faith in Jesus. Number one, the place of his birth. Number two, the proclamation of Christ's birth. Notice number three, the purpose of his birth. The purpose of his birth. Uh, Jesus was not born so we could have a day to exchange gifts. Jesus was born to die on a cross. Look at John chapter number 3 with me if you can. Again, the verses will be on the screen if that's more convenient for you here. But please, one way or another... Follow along whether it's in the Bible or up on the screen. John chapter 3, look at verse number 3 there. Here Jesus is talking with a religious man who is lost. A religious man that is hell bound. And Jesus is trying to explain to him how this religious man can get past his religion and get to heaven. Look at verse 3. Jesus answered and said unto him, this is Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh, speaking of a physical birth, is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit, speaking of a spiritual birth, is spirit. Look at verse 7. Marvel not that I say unto thee. Ye must be born again. Look down at verse number 11 of John chapter 3. And we pick up the conversation again. Jesus with Nicodemus. Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen. And ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And look at verse 13. And no man hath it up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. Look at verse 14. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Why did Jesus come? Jesus came to die. He came to die on a cross. To those of you that walked in the door this evening under the that you had to be a good person to get into heaven or that you had to hold to some religious set of works to get into heaven. Let me ask you just one question, if I could. If being a good person got you into heaven, then why did Jesus die on the cross? What was that about? If I could just work real hard and be good and have my goods outweigh my bads and and, and stand at heaven's gate and plead my own case of righteousness, then why would God leave heaven, wrap himself in flesh and be brutally murdered on a cross? What did he do that for? You see, Jesus died to save us, rescue us from our sin. Matthew chapter one, verse 20 and verse 21 says this, but while he is this speaking of joseph while he thought on these things behold the angel of the lord appeared unto him in a dream saying joseph thou son of david fear not to take unto thee mary thy wife for that which uh, is conceived in her is of the holy ghost look at verse 21 with me and she shall bring forth the son and thou shalt call his name jesus let's read the rest of that verse together ready for he shall save his people from their sins that's why jesus came he came to save his people from their sins. I'm going to share with you a message that's not a very popular sermon to preach. But I'm not concerned about being popular. I'm concerned about helping you find Christ. Here's the message If you have committed even one sin, the Bible says you're guilty of breaking the whole law. James says this If ye offend in one point, ye offend the whole law. I want you to picture the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses in Exodus 20 as a chain. You picturing it? How many of you here have ever told a lie? Oh, my hand is up. Hold your hand up for me if you've ever told a lie. Everyone, look around. If someone's hand isn't up, they're lying right now. (laughs) You know what? You've broken the law, you've offended. That chain is broken. You know what you need? You need help. What I'm trying to get you to see this evening is you cannot be saved until you first understand that you are lost. You are lost. You say, well, if I'm lost, then then where does a lost person go? The Bible couldn't be any clearer about it. Revelation chapter 21 and verse 8, we get to the very end of the world. And the Bible says this, God in heaven is getting ready as a judge to judge all of mankind. It says, but the fearful and unbelieving and abominable and whoremongers and adulterers. And then it says this, and all liars shall have their part in the lake, which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Hey, I'm not standing up here this evening to tell you this because I hate you. I'm telling you this because I care for your soul. Those that sin this includes this guy right here, those that sinned deserve to go to hell. And you know what Jesus did? He came and He died on the cross to go to hell for you. Go to hell for me. Can we put Romans 5 8 back up on the screen? But God commendeth, He proved His love toward us. In that, while we were yet sinners, or while we were in our sinful state, Christ died for. For us. He died in our place. He went through hell for us so that we could get to heaven. Number four, and lastly, notice the power of his life. The power of his life to save the condemned. Look at John chapter 3 and verse 15 with me. And, and we're going to read down through verse number 18. It says here that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have a, a eternal life. Hold on right there. Notice it doesn't say, for whosoever goeth to church should not perish. It does not say whosoever is a good person should not perish. It says whosoever believeth in him. That is the prerequisite to uh, obtain eternal life. Look at that theme as it carries through. This is Jesus speaking to Nicodemus. Verse 16. We all know it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever what believeth in him should not what? perish, but have everlasting life. The prerequisite again is not uh, some denominational title. It's not some sort of good behavior. It's not anything other than believing in the Lord Jesus Christ that he lived. He died for you. He was lifted up uh, on a cross and became your sins. He rose from the dead and he offers to us Everlasting life. Look at verse 17. For God sent not His Son Jesus into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him, through Jesus, might be rescued, might be saved. Verse 18. And this really is where we draw it to a conclusion. He that believeth on Him, on Jesus, is not condemned. But he that believeth not is condemned already. Why? Because he hath not believed in the only begotten Son of God. My friend, Jesus could not have been any more clear about how you make peace with God. You must open up your heart and you must believe in Jesus. You must believe in Jesus. I want you to imagine, I close with this, I want you to imagine this evening that for New Year's, my family and your family, we get into a car and we head to the airport. We're going to fly to Hawaii to bring in the new year. Who's in? All right. I'm paid. All right. Now who's in? All right. This is not happening. <laughs> but but let's imagine if we could. All right. My family and your family, we get into a car, the tickets are purchased, my name's on mine, your name's on yours, we have all the identification we need, and we get to the airport, we go through the security. Protocol: call, we take our shoes off and put them back on. Hopefully that's all we're asked to take off and put back on. Amen. And we get to the gate and we're standing there and I'm holding my ticket and you're holding your ticket. And we look up at the little monitor there and we see that we're at the right gate. And I ask you this question with your ticket in your hand. I say, do you believe that that plane is going to fly all the way to Honolulu? And you look at it and you see that you have a nonstop flight and you go, yep, that's what it says the moment comes where it's time to board the plane. It's time to not only believe in our head that that plane's going to take us to Hawaii, it's time to believe with our heart. And uh, they call for our group number to board. And I get in line and I look at you and you're still sitting over in the seats. And I say to you, come on, it's time to board. And you say, I'm not getting on that plane. I'm not doing that. And I say, but I just asked you if you believe that plane was going to go to Hawaii. And you said, I do. And I said, then get on the plane. And you say, I'm not getting on that plane. Do you really believe? Oh, you believe intellectually, but you don't believe right here. My friend, your way to heaven is not just believing that Jesus died on the cross up here. You must put your full trust, reliance, dependence that He is the plane that's going to take you to heaven. Jesus said this about himself. He said, I am the door. In John 14, verse 6, he said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. No man, no human comes unto the Father but by me, Jesus said. The question is really simple. Jesus laid it out for you in John 3. His life has bought you a gift called everlasting life. He died. He purchased it with his life. He's offering it to you for free. Will you accept it? Romans chapter 10, verse 13 says this for whosoever, for whosoever, that's me, that's you for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, shall be rescued. The question is, are you going to call on his name by faith in your heart and trust in him? Let's have your heads bowed and eyes closed. If we could, just for a moment, a moment of privacy, if everyone wouldn't mind, indulge me, close your eyes and bow your head and. And I want to just ask you this question. Has there been a time in your life where you've put your faith and trust in Jesus? Have you personally asked Jesus to save you from your sins? Have you put your faith in Jesus? Have you believed in Him? For me, I was a small child. I was sitting on the front pew of a church after a Sunday evening church service. And I understood that I was a sinner. I understood that my sin had condemned me to hell. I understood that Jesus went through hell on the cross for my sin. And I understood that my faith was required to receive that gift. I bowed my head as a small child. And on April 8th, 1988, I called on Jesus' name. I asked Him to take away my sin. I asked Him to be my Savior have you done that? You don't need to know the date, but you do need to know that you've done it. Right there where you sit right now, if you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ to save you, can I help you to do that? I would like to lead you through a prayer. There's no magic in the words of this prayer. All I want to do is help you to express the faith that you have in your heart that Jesus was born, that He lived, and that He died for your sin. If you'll mean this prayer from your heart, the Bible says that thou shalt be Rescued, thou shalt be saved. Right there under your breath, will you just pray this prayer? Will you say, with a humble heart, will you say, dear Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. And I know that my sin is wrong. I know I deserve to go to hell for my sin. Thank you, Jesus, for dying on the cross in my place. I believe in you. And you alone is my way to heaven. Save my soul. And take me to heaven when I die. In Jesus' name.